You gotta tear me apart, Lisa! My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? Hey, buddy, you gonna eat that sausage? No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. Tell me something, my friend. Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the role? Ladies and gentlemen! Your complete attention, if you please. The Epic Film Guys Podcast. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another EFG classic episode. It's so good to see the absolutely gorgeously, amazingly sexy co-stars lining up on the screen before me. You can't see them, but trust me, they are sexy and beautiful. My name is Nick. And I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. Cough. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is Brian? Have we ever had a Brian on this show? Are are you some kind of imposter, sir? The Loy Sauce. You should start referring to me as the Loy Sauce, just as we now call Batman the Batman. Yeah, that's a thing now. There's no more. Like, are, do they call him to his face like, "Hey, the Batman," or is it just Batman? You know? No, no you Not call him. You call him Vengeance. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah. I'm Vengeance. That's. The, the best opening to any conversation ever. But I'm gonna start yeah, folding I'm, that into job interviews and stuff. Yeah, you gotta sign on your application. It's been a long time though, guys, since we've sat down to do this shit. Last time was with the last Spidey movie. Whip and whip. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But we're here to talk about the Batman, which just pummeled the box office last week in theaters, and it's. It's Batman, so we had to get the gang back together to talk about it because it's a big event. It's probably, I would have to say, I dare to say, the biggest movie of the year, maybe? Definitely so. so far, and I can't... I mean, granted, I'm so unplugged from movies these days that I don't even know what the fuck's coming out this year. <laughs> oh, nope. Scratch that. Avatar 2 is coming out this no, year. Okay, I know one thing that's coming out this year, and that's I've been so <laughs> laser-focused on blue cat people that like forget it like i don't even have i don't even have brain energy for anything else this is the only batman content i need to see all year nothing else important's happening yeah because that's the only batman content we're getting <laughs> actually we're probably getting more batman content this year than we've ever received in a movie theater literally ever we have this we have now a, a, a batman voiced by keanu reeves in a movie about superhero pets you a know, movie I will never see. Yes, you will. <laughs> you will watch so it. Dumb. God damn it. You watch all those baby movies. You have to watch it. <laughs> You're the only one I know that watches those movies. So you'll have to. Then we obviously have the almighty Keaton's return in the flash. And apparently not that. I mean, it may be the following year, but the rumor is, is it'll come the, the month after on HBO Max, the Batgirl movie. And he's in both of those movies. And of course, Affleck will be returning for the flash as well. So lots of bat stuff. Lots and lots of it. But the movie at hand here, The Batman, this is a movie that all three of us have been heavily anticipating for quite some time. It was crazy. I was looking through my memories on my phone before the movie came out, and I was like, it's been exactly two years since we first saw the Batsuit. And 
we thought the movie was coming so much sooner and we had to wait extra long. But I have I, I would have to say worth the wait, you know, um, and it, it definitely helped with the box office for the movie Speak as well. Speak for yourself, Justin. Yeah. Listen, I am. Yeah. That's why I'm talking, boy. Oh, <laughs> boy sauce. <laughs> Snapping it, I, baby. I, I feel like he he wants us to segue into uh, what is what is that? What do we call it? What's it? Uh, what are you drinking? I'm back. You can rally. I think we kind of have to default to the sauce because I am not currently imbibing anything. I just drank my smoothie because I just got done with the gym before recording. And now I'm drinking some high quality H2O. So, uh, dear Saucy, you beautiful, beautiful god of podcasting. What you got slithering down your suck hole this eve? (laughs) Well, I don't actually know what's in the can. (laughs) <laughs> but, but it sure the, looks cool. The the label uh, proclaims it to be Godzilla Blue Raspberry Reawaken Energy Drink. And um, I found this at FYE. They have a line of Godzilla-themed beverages and hot sauces and all sorts of stuff. And I love Godzilla so much that I can't not buy anything that has Godzilla on it. So... I purchased this energy drink as well as a Mecha Godzilla cherry soda, which is um, the mm. worst thing I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> okay. does, so, it, does it just taste <laughs> like metal? <laughs> it tasted like if you melted down a Jolly Rancher and and just put it. It didn't have any carbonation. It was terrible. To be honest, I have no idea how long it was on the shelves because it had Godzilla versus Kong branding on it. So that was last Dude. year. <laughs> Dude, ain't no one buying that shit but you. So that's <laughs> well, that's why. Anyway, let's see how this tastes. And we wait. Well, it tastes like an energy drink, which is to say it tastes like <laughs> battery acid. <laughs> Blue raspberry flavored battery acid. People that's my review sauce. of Godzilla <laughs> Blue Raspberry Energy Drink. Um I love how it says vanquish thirst be unstoppable on the label, but it has like the Japanese Gojira text. It has Godzilla himself on it. So it's a lovely label that I might just keep now. Well, look now how fancy put it you in are. your mouth, put it in your mouth. Like you're chewing on a train car like Godzilla would. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> I may just save this and have it for 20 years. Like uh, the great dinosaur Dracula does with his uh, themed paraphernalia dude i still have ephemera cans of the dr pepper with bat fleck on them in the cupboard over there never opened <laughs> so i'll be that guy too i i don't have 30 year old spaghettios or anything but i do have 30 year old cereal in in my closet <laughs> uh i'm boring as fuck uh <laughs> as well tonight i'm just drinking a bang energy drink blue raspberry it looks like we're all about blue ras but um yeah no booze for me uh actually i haven't said anything on the show about it but i might as well now um, over 30 days without anything to drink. And uh, I just I'm not that kind of person where I want to come out and be like, I did this or I'm doing this. I just do it. And, uh, you know, it, whatever happens with it, it happens. But uh feel great, actually feel fantastic. And it hasn't really slowed me down. If anything, 
it's made me go faster and gives me that drive. So fuck it. Let's do this shit. Let's crush it, baby. No, we are so goddamn proud of you just to just to yep. just to put that out really. there. So keep it keep it going. And yeah, I mean, God, it's is this clearly no there has to have been other times in the show's history we've done a what are you drinking but nobody was actually drinking right i don't know i know loisos usually showed up with no booze like almost all the time or a dos equis lager especial <laughs> that's just water that won't <laughs> I do hurt love my dos equis it's good though but yeah <laughs> it, we, uh, we probably we probably have i don't remember but i know we have done some episodes in the past where none of us had anything to drink and we just kind of ignored the fact yeah. but you know now we're bringing it to the attention of our listeners but hey you know uh, the the days of us having to be pissed drunk on this show just to talk about movies kind of an old thing i'm there's not saying stuff. i hate it <laughs> there's some stuff in the archives that the the funny the funny thing is too when you listen back to like some of that really old stuff there are those episodes when you can clearly tell we are so wasted <laughs> it's unbelievable and especially the thing that we always did on this show more than anything when we like would all get really trashed is swear a lot like it's not like like we this is not a clean show by any means anyway but whenever we would all get like a few drinks in and we're slurring I think, a little bit and I think everything you, mean you nick i'm pretty sure you're talking oh, definitely. about definitely i i'm 100 percent the worst offender to, of that I, I will admit that freely but yeah I'm pretty sure that one time me and Loisos Frog here and I want to tell you go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow. I think we counted one episode one time where you said fuck like 150 <laughs> times or something. It was like the most insane thing ever. And you didn't even recognize or notice that you were the Tarantino doing it. script in my head. G- give me a break. <laughs> it was probably like during a Nick's rants and you just kept going. I'm like, just it's, it, you know, it's kind of we'll like a dog. With and you're like, you just got to let him finish. You know, am I going to push that button tonight? Ooh. I, if you do, I'll be very surprised. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, uh, that's the thing about this movie. This movie is polarizing in the sense that it's making people proclaim these statements of what this movie is compared to other movies, uh, you know, in, in the film community, if you will. Either people love the shit out of this movie. It's the greatest thing ever made. It's the best Batman movie ever made. It's better than The Dark Knight or it sucks. Pattinson's emo. It's too dark. There's no fun in this movie. There's really I, I haven't seen personally any middle ground on this movie, but I, I do have to say I'm really happy with the positive response that it's received because we all know it had an uphill battle with so many fans in terms of like, you know, it's another reboot in such a short period of time. Affleck's out of the cowl. A lot of us were looking forward to that Affleck directed starring in Arkham style movie, which, you know, he left. He left that movie. He He's the guy that said, I don't want to do that. So what we got here is a movie directed by one of our favorite directors who did a, a movie that I can safely say all three of us love very much. And I think me and Nick can say that one of our favorite movies ever, which is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I think Hell Reeves yeah. was an absolutely perfect choice to helm this movie. Yeah, I mean, this is in no way intended to be like a boastful, I told you so kind of thing. But when Matt Reeves was announced as director of the Batman, I, I kind of breathed easy. And I thought in many ways, he was the perfect choice just on the basis of his apes movies, Don and Don of the Planet of the Apes and 
War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, Checks in the mail. You know, it became <laughs> <laughs> it became evident to me that Reeves was capable of crafting complex, you know, large scale, thematically rich, character driven, emotional stories in long standing franchises. And it turns out that well, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but the Batman is is no exception. Yeah, don't to that. don't you dare get ahead of yourself. As a matter of fact, I'm putting it up right now. We're building the spoiler wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Just love wall. the look on his face Build every time I play wall. that sound drop. But yeah, so no spoilers initially, unless it's you know Alfred Pennyworth is in this movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's in the movie for like two fucking seconds, but. So he's in the Bruce movie. Wayne. We got to go around the horn here, though, for real, and just do because obviously we've all been anticipating this movie. We all got a chance to see it in theaters. I'll start with you, Nick, though, for because you you know what you were anticipating with this movie and your initial thoughts after you watched it. I mean, my anticipation is always high whenever Reeves is attached to a project. We know that. I mean, Dawn again, probably top twenty all time for me. Definitely my one of my favorite films of the previous decade and justin already kind of touched on this when he talked about reeves in general i wanted something that was going to give us a little bit of emotional weight to the character i wanted something that was going to kind of paint a picture of the larger universe and the larger gotham in this and i don't think in terms of especially like uh the underworld of gotham i don't think the underworld of gotham has ever felt quite as big or as sprawling as it is in this film i really don't think that even nolan's trilogy really really scratched on the surface of it it was kind of like you get the sense in this movie that batman has like and, and okay it's it's year two batman but uh that he's barely like just begun to kind of do anything to, to try to save the city. Like, and he mentions it in the, in, in the movie at one point, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better, which hopefully we'll see in subsequent sequels and whatnot. But it's got incredible performances across, like legitimately from the top down. I cannot fault a single, especially Jeffrey Wright. Amazing in this movie. Absolutely amazing. Like easily blew me away. It was probably, I'm going to be honest, probably my favorite, favorite part of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like it's got like, it doesn't have a ton of gadgets and things like that. Like you would think of a Batman movie, but it does have tons of Batman using his brain, but he's unfortunately trying to chase the Riddler and trying to catch up to Paul Dano, uh, who also is phenomenal in the film. It's just, there's so, so much good about this movie. A lot of people are complaining about the length of this movie. Uh, I don't know if you guys are necessarily going to touch on that or not. I think the length is perfectly fine. This did not feel like a three-hour film to me whatsoever. And honestly, I kind of wanted a little bit more. Reeves gives you so much here, but he also barely scratches the surface so that you want so, so much more of this world. And that, I think, is the best thing about this film. It springboards off into what could become like this massively amazing sprawling franchise. So I'm here for it hundred percent. Like I said, it, it feels it, it there's it there's it's so rich, but at the same time, it barely, barely, it, it didn't, it, it didn't do enough for me in the sense that this movie could have been twice as long. And I still wouldn't have been satisfied with <laughs> how much, how good it was, how yeah. great all the elements of it were. I've got some caveats. I've got some things I'm going to nitpick at later on, but yeah, I mean, this movie is phenomenal. It's, it's incredible. The good news is Nick, that 
projects have been announced for HBO Max, like a Arkham Asylum series, and most exciting of all, a spinoff about Colin Farrell's Penguin, <laughs> uh, <laughs> chronicling his rise uh, a la Scarface as the uh, the crime lord we know him as. Colin Farrell was a standout to me. He just completely dominated every scene he was in. So to get a whole series is immensely exciting. And to your point, the fact that we want more of these characters and more of the world just speaks to how expertly done the film's world building is. And it's definitely a different approach because what we have here is a film that's way more crime thriller than superhero movie. Um, It's more along the lines of Zodiac or Seven than anything we've seen before. And it's steeped in noir sensibilities, which I think is something that fans of the world's greatest detective have been clamoring for, um, and something we haven't really gotten in the other films. I certainly don't think the film reinvents the wheel necessarily. I think it owes a great debt to Tim Burton's 1989 original and Christopher Nolan's trilogy, both of which really wholly redefined how the character of Batman is portrayed on screen and could be portrayed on screen. But in many ways, I feel like the Batman is the most complete Batman movie that we've seen so far, because while other Batman films may have lacked um, in terms of the character of Batman himself or, or what have you, this one excels. And I think Reeves shows such a thorough understanding of the character. And the, this fact is so obvious once you watch it that it's very funny to me when morons like Ben Shapiro say that the Batman doesn't understand, doesn't understand, or, or, or doesn't, or Batman. doesn't like him, I, that, that <laughs> fucking shocked me, and I was infuriated. Could not be more wrong because the film is very clearly a love letter to Batman as a franchise, as a character, as a symbol, as an ideal. And Justin, you can kind of take it from here, but the opening scene of this movie does so much in establishing both the Riddler and the Batman's first appearances and establishing their characters, how they mirror each other, and how fucking terrifying both of them are. (laughs) I don't think another Batman movie, I mean, maybe minus 89, has opened this strong in terms of introduction. We had heard earlier on from Pattinson in interviews, he's like, man, the opening of this movie is so jarring, it's unlike anything you've ever seen in a Batman movie. And when I saw the movie for the first time, the music that plays, I'm like, okay. And then the title just pops up and then it goes away. There's no like epic buildup or anything. It's just, there's the title. And then from there, you know, obviously we're seeing through a viewpoint of one of the characters in a really strange, long drawn out scene, but you're so focused on it and you're so like intrigued about what's going on that you can't take your eyes off the screen. And this is one of my favorite things about this movie is the horror centric aspect of the tone. And this movie, the opening to this movie felt more like a Halloween movie or a slasher movie than a comic book movie. And it is terrifying. I mean, in this opening scene, Michael Giacchino's score is, I mean, you've got the high strings, it's it's in the dark and you're just the, that first reveal, if you will. Um, yeah. The whole audience gasped. And I remember, yeah, I just the feeling of like, oh, my God, like it's the same feeling as you would if you saw Jason Voorhees peer, you know, from a corner or something. The the quiet stillness 
of the Riddler appearing behind the mayor and the swiftness and the brutality with which he murders him with a carpet tucker, by the way, which is just the most grisly murder weapon possible. Um, it just lets you know right away that this movie is not fucking yeah. around. And then when we get to the streets of Gotham and we see like the bat signal in the sky prompting all the city's criminals to fill their diapers <laughs> because... <laughs> You get Batman in the voiceover saying, like, I can't be everywhere all at once, so I control people with fear. And you see robbers and 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 delinquents positively petrified at, like, every little sound, every dark corner, because he could be behind that dark corner. And then when Batman finally appears, he comes out of the shadows, you see why he's so feared. Because he just, like, beats the ever-loving fuck out of these goons about to commit this hate crime and you see that it's not just criminals that fear batman it's everyone because the man he rescues begs him not to hurt him so instantly it establishes batman as a serious threat to you know these street level thugs and it establishes the riddler as a serial as a serious threat to you know the political elite so it's just expertly done it's it's you know expert efficiency and precision this opening and and i think i just have to go in here real quick and say Everyone knows how much I love 89 Batman. We haven't had an introduction to the Batman character like this since then, where he's like this mythic force of nature. Everyone's scared of him. And I that scene in I had goosebumps when I think about it. I'm like, you know, Burton's movie where he flies down from the rafters or glides down, if you will. Here, he he's just slowly walking down the stairs. And when he's walking towards them, his boots are clinging like spurs in a western yeah it, it's it, it's in the way that the shot is framed of his feet Great walking sound towards design oh, like the score sw- like literally every aspect of it hits on absolutely every single cylinder and, and kind of to go back to a point that loisos made about how expertly crafted this is that's 100 evident in the script itself because i already mentioned it but i think it is probably one of this film's strongest aspects this is a hundred percent this is a batman movie Bruce Wayne is in very, very, very little of this movie because he is Batman. And I love the thing that I love most about Pattinson's performance in this movie and in this role is he lives and breathes. You can see even in those few shots and there's so few. Thank you so much for there being so few shots of him, like just gratuitously out of the cowl. Like he is so consumed with rage and he is so consumed with. And like an obsessed with this idea of being Batman and being out there on the streets and controlling people through fear, like Loisaw said, like, I don't think probably if you looked at like, I mean, you think about a movie like uh, The Dark Knight Rises, where what it's an hour into the movie before we finally see Bale's Batman again, like this movie, Batman is in like every scene almost like seriously almost every scene. And that is so that is such an amazingly great choice because this Batman, this Bruce Wayne, he hasn't learned how to balance those aspects of his life. He is I couldn't agree more and consumably Batman. Yeah, that was honestly my first takeaway when I watched it for the first time. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be something that I liked or disliked because we're so used to seeing so much diversity between when when Bruce puts on the cowl versus when he's out in public. Yeah. And I found myself just realizing like, dude, there really isn't Bruce Wayne in this movie at all when he takes the cowl off. Even when he goes he's to still the funeral, Batman. he's still Batman. Yeah. He moves like Batman. He's like you said perfectly. It, it, it clicked for me on the second watch. Like, whoa, no, this is done purposely. 
he's so invested and obsessed and with he he even says the line i don't care about any of that he doesn't give a shit about the wayne name in that way that's how driven he is to be batman and i honestly think this is probably the most driven and obsessed batman we've we've ever seen on screen Absolutely. And, you know, he he's a really intimidating presence, too. Like when Batman's at the crime scene, that first scene where he's, he's there at the crime scene and the one police officer is like trying to get around him. He glances at Batman as if he like <laughs> expects him to step aside. But Batman does not move. He's just like completely unbothered. And and like when the police would challenge him, like when he walks in and they're like, you can't be in here. He just looks at them like, and how great daring just them to that do shot something of him about him walking being down there. the hallway, like through like the sea of police officers. Just fantastic. And and I love you how can see much, the, the, the hold. Yeah, the hold he has on the on the Gotham. I love uh, so much force. about like, like how much this film. I mean, and, and you could talk about the relationship between he and Gordon in this film, which is arguably uh, the strongest Batman Gordon relationship we've ever had in a film, which I really, really, really love. Uh, but like, I love that you kind of see the, the, this film really focuses on like how do the police react to Batman very specifically? Like in 89, like, you know, they're just, you know, they're just shooting at him, you know, or, or you know, you <sighs> drink and drain him. You know, you've, you've got your Eckhart, <laughs> you got your Eckhart and everything. You know, I think in this, I really love seeing them flesh out kind of the relationship between Batman and the police, how some of them feel about him, how intimidated they are by him. But then there's those other scenes when like you have the police chief is like getting in his face and everything. Like, I mean, there, there's so much great, great. That's what I talk about when I talk about scratching the surface, but there's so much in every scene. There's so much. It, it was great to see Detective Batman in action. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something I think we get precious little of in the in the previous films. And I also love the little ways in which the film conveys that this is a very green Batman just starting out. There are moments when he gets seriously injured and he's down for the count. There are moments like when he wipes out, when he's trying to use that gliding suit. <laughs> he's making mistakes. He's struggling. Yeah. And even in Batman Begins, you know, like he's Bruce Wayne and then he puts on the suit and then he's Batman. Whereas this movie, more than any other Batman before, to your point, Nick, blurs the line between Batman and Bruce mm -hmm. Wayne. There, there are plenty of scenes in which Bruce is wandering the streets, the streets in a hoodie and he's sporting the eye makeup. Yeah. Like he's he's ready, like at, at any given moment to just, uh, you know, put on the suit. Um, a bulk of the runtime is Batman as Batman. And you can make the argument that the true, you know, billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne doesn't appear in this movie at all because even when he's not in the cowl he's still in Batman mode exactly yeah, yeah. this is a man who has a one-track mind completely consumed by his trauma he acts like an antisocial weirdo he's unkempt he's covered in bruises at, at, at all times he doesn't make eye contact and he's not responsive when people try to talk to him he's emotionally scarred so much so that when Catwoman asks him if he's wearing a mask because he's covered in scars he answers yes without missing a beat and and yet, like when he's in the suit, he seems much more confident and he even has a little bit of a sense of humor. Like, it's great that they basically play the same scene twice, one as Bruce Wayne and one as Batman. But when he's trying to get into the club and he's confronting the bouncers, the first time as oh, Bruce I Wayne, love that he's fucking scene, you know, I again, am. doesn't make eye contact or he's anything. Just but looking when he's down, yeah. 
when he's Batman, he's a little bit like not quippy, not Marvel quippy. But when they when they say like, "Do you want blood all over your suit?" and he's he says, "Mine are yours." <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> that contrast is just well, brilliant. I, I just have to say, I have to jump in there. Not only is that delivery amazing, but Pattinson is a fucking beast as Batman. Yeah. Motherfucker. Every single person that doubted this guy, and I and I, I did it, I went on, on Twitter and, and, and was making fun of these people because a huge majority of them went out to see the movie like we all know they would, and they're like, wow, he was a great Batman. But when he walks into the club, he takes those guys out. That swagger he has, that 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 presence he has as he walks through the crowd and he's pushing people out of the way and then he just he just wants to see the penguin we haven't seen batman i mean we had a nightclub scene in the dark knight right compare the two and i hate doing that but dude this batman is brutal he gets shot and shit right there and that's all down to matt reeves too because we all know nolan at least especially back in that back in that time not the best action director. You know, so he's got so many great uh, great things that he can do really, really well, but I don't think shooting action was one of them, especially in those Batman movies. Reeves does not have that problem. Go watch those Apes movies. He knows how to shoot big budget set pieces. He knows how to get close in there. He knows how to let the camera hang out and linger and not just rapidly cut between tons and tons of shots. It's great. The action in this movie is phenomenal. When Batman hits people, you feel him hit people. It's like, oh, damn uh, i just oh i can't say enough good things about it and then to loisos your point like that like from the second that feral shows up on screen as the penguin he absolutely steals every single scene he's in he's aside from jeffrey wright feral's probably my favorite part of this movie just because he is so like so engrossing as penguin like he is so much larger than life of like and you can kind of tell like he is what all of these villains, like all the rogues gallery that's going to start cropping up in, in subsequent sequels and stuff, the things that, you know, escalation is, as Nolan talked about in his trilogy and whatnot. This is the kind of rogues gallery villain that we're going to get in a Reeves movie. I am so 100% here for it because he's still threatening. He's still intimidating, but Jesus, he chews scenery deliciously. And it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love, I love that his penguin is basically Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro mixed together. <laughs> the voice, much, yeah. When the voice first came out, I mean, we'd only, I'd only watched the, the, I think the first two trailers and I was like, I'm done. No footage. Like for once in my life, I'm not going to ruin a Batman movie for myself. But when they meet, I think their, their first meeting when they come face to face, Oh, whoa, sweetheart. And he's like, I guess you're everything they say you are. And then he's like, <laughs> I guess I am too. And you can tell, like, he's not really all that scared of him when they go in and they have that talk when, you know, obviously he's asking Penguin questions. You can tell. He's not really that threatened by him. That's Penguin, man. Like he's he's a bad guy. Um, and then much later in the movie, we've got what, what is my favorite scene out of the whole fucking movie. But I don't really want to jump that far ahead. He is so delicious in this movie. Yeah. Um, so many people questioned, why didn't you just cast a fat guy that looks like that? And it, it is a weird thing to think like one of the most attractive men in Hollywood he's so, was cast he's as unrecognizable. But it, but it works so, so well. And I love that they, you know, even though it's not an homage to DeVito, but they they went that extra mile and did the makeup for the character. Yeah. Um, we, we see makeup on another character later on in the movie, which we will have to talk about, which I also loved. But it, it reminds you this is a Batman movie. And I think there were parts of it 
when it first started for me that I was like, hmm, this is less of a traditional action adventure Batman movie. And it's something so much more unique. It's also and way it less of a comic book movie, which is 1000% to its credit. It does. I and I, when I saw it, I posted on Facebook the same thing. But uh, this does exactly what Nolan's trilogy and what Nolan's films do. They defy the comic book movie conventions. Reeves is not interested in, you know, like we got to string you along with quippy dialogue to get to the next big action set piece. This is a brooding emotional character study that's exactly what this is and i i want more and more and more superhero films that are willing to break the mold like you don't have to just cast everything in the exact same mold so you're just releasing just say the it. same movie just call them out nick what? just it, say it, their it, name there's dc movies that do it too there's dc movies that <laughs> have that style like shazam you know as much as i enjoyed a lot of shazam but like like that's the way that all that's the template for comic book movies is that kind of marvel movie and i think fans like even in even marvel fans like have kind of worn thin with that i think so you know it's i, I love seeing this movie this movie is going to do for comic book movies what nolan's trilogy did now i know granted people complain oh, i don't want everything to be dark and gritty but you know like this film it dares to defy those conventions. It's it's kind of the same thing. Like you think about maybe less so begins, but especially the Dark Knight. Like the Dark Knight's a crime a crime drama. Like this movie it's is it's heat. Yeah, this <laughs> movie is not. This movie transcends the superhero movie. It's so much more than just that, and it's dismissive to think of it in just that just that kind of scope. There's so much more here than that. I always think you take away, you strip away the comic book elements. Is it still a good movie? Could it still be a good yeah. movie? And that's how you determine how great it is. And I think, you know, the Dark Knight did that first. And here it's doing it again. And make no mistake. I think we have to, uh, you know, bring this point up here. This movie has the DNA of all of the Batman stuff we've had come before oh, easily in its veins here. I mean, there's some Nolan in this movie. There's there's a tiny bit of Burton in this movie. There's a little bit of the animated I series. Think there's even more and than a tiny the, bit of Burton, I think, especially from a production design standpoint. It pays oh, a lot yeah, of homage sure. this to is, Burton. I mean, the Gotham in general, I'll get yeah. to. But I mean, you got to think when you watch this movie, I could. it has those moments where you're like, they're familiar because we've seen them before, but it does it in a fresh way. So it's still giving you what you love about the character, but also giving you something completely different and unique compared to what those other movies gave you. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. So many people are, I, I'm not saying that people shouldn't uh, proclaim what they feel about the movie in such a strong sense. I have myself. I've tried to keep mom on ranking Batman and such or the movies themselves. I'm not interested in that. But, but I think... <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to be doing it soon, I mean, you but it's, <laughs> but it's like, just think you wouldn't have this without Nolan's movies. You wouldn't have this without Burton's movies. Yeah. So it's like, you have to understand what, everything that came before this influenced yeah. it, but still it's its own original take. Definitely. That Gotham city feels like I was immersed into a completely different world. I mean, obviously we know why Nolan decided to do the real world approach and Hey, Gotham is just Chicago. That's literally what we got there. But here they built full streets sets a lot. They use a lot of practical locations, um, but they also built sets like the iceberg lounge is gorgeous oh, inside and out. I mean, in, inside Wayne tower. I mean, dude, Batman's basically Dracula in that shit. How Gothic is that? I mean, 
he he put the goth back in gothic for batman and to mention uh, and, and, kind of to touch on a point that you just made there too like nolan went with that kind of hyper realistic style and i think it's easy for people to to uh to to be dismissive of this and say oh it's i don't want more of the nolan style but i really don't think this is nearly towing that line of realism like the nolan movies are it's like loisos mentioned earlier when he has that kind of like that bodysuit glider thing that he tried to use the squirrel and, suit and completely biffs <laughs> yeah. and and you know then he basically gets up and he's fine like in the next scene so i think this is far more comic book fantasy than like that hyper realistic thing we got in nolan i don't think anyway we're gonna uh you know end up getting the movie in this trilogy where he has to go to the doctor and get the knee brace that makes him you know superhuman or something i don't think that that's this universe i don't think that reeves is interested in doing that necessarily and i kind of like that like loisos mentioned this too but like this batman gets the shit beaten out of him a lot but then it doesn't have like these long scenes of like the toll that it's taking on him. It, I think it is a little bit closer to that kind of fantasy comic book sensibility in that sense than super focused on that realism of Nolan, which I appreciated. I don't I could join the chorus easily of I don't want something that's exactly like Nolan, but I do appreciate that it's at least pinching that style, like at least kind of running its fingertips across it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we could get ramifications of of um, the real world uh, consequences of what Batman goes through in future movies, I guess. But I, I don't think that um, Reeves is interested in that either. It does make you wonder what v- potential villains could be uh, included in future Batman movies, because, you know, the the Penguin is still recognizable as the Penguin, but he's not like the... Uh, ducky boat riding cigar chomping monocle wearing let's just say there was no umbrellas either i didn't see a fucking umbrella there better be an umbrella in the sequel (laughs) you don't have to put the hat on him in the monocle and shit just give him an umbrella with a bullet like i i I get it that they oh i'm gonna give us the arkham penguin that has a that has a a a glass bottle for for one of his eyes (laughs) a glass bottle shoved into his face i forgot about that yeah, so it, it makes you wonder, like, how fanciful are they going to go? How comic booky and stylized are they going to go for the sequels? Because the Riddlers are very grounded, uh, grounded villain, and so is the Penguin. But uh, I mean, the Tim Burton films and the animated series obviously took place in this very kind of Art Deco inspired Gotham City, lots yeah. of Gothic architecture. Uh, the Nolan films, the city was pretty nondescript, um, but here Gotham seems to have more of a distinct personality than the Nolan films. In it's my a opinion, character. it's. Vi- it's very seedy, very grungy. Um, I haven't seen this much rain since Godzilla 1998. The entire <laughs> movie, just <laughs> rainy and gloomy, r- really helps to to set a mood for sure. It's also London too for you, which they shot most of the movie over in the UK, so it made sense. Perfect setting to make Gotham City. It was gloomy the entire time. I mean, we do get some pretty beautiful sunsets. You know, especially with Batman and Selena, which we have to get to that character, too. But lots of reds and oranges and and people online are clamoring for one of the sequels to take place. Gotham at winter. I'd love to see yeah, that. That'd be great I'd to love bring to see it back Reeve, to winter. Yeah. What Reeves would do with that would be amazing. But I mean, give him the keys to the kingdom. I mean, it's clear that he wants to do his own thing. He wants these to, you know, they're not going to be connected to the wider DCEU continuity or whatever. They're just going to kind of be out there on their own doing their thing. And that's great. Like you don't, and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, and it sucks that DC had to go the long way around to learn the don't just do what Marvel's doing lesson. You know, they tried to force 
things and what tried to go too fast. And then, you know, everything that happened with Snyder and all that nonsense that we don't need to really dwell into too much. But DC kind of went the the very long way around. And I mean, Todd Phillips Joker also kind of touched on that but it's like yeah you can make films that are comic book themed you can make films that are that lean into comic book stuff but it doesn't all have to be tied into one shared universe you can just make good movies that stand on their own it doesn't need to be like i know like people out there are clamoring and like all all sorts of people are like oh i want this and i want that like you know, just make good movies people will come if you just make really 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 good movies <laughs> very true and like i said earlier a lot of the naysayers that were like i'll never see that movie because of one fucking role that the main actor played from 10 years ago and they're all going out and seeing the movie and they're giving it a chance they're giving their own hard-earned money when you still have to see this to, to touch on that too but you also still have people boycotting the movie like the super duper like hardcore Snyder trolls that live on social media that are boycotting it because they boycott anything Warner brothers does. That's not Snyder adjacent. And it's like, guys, Affleck's never coming back to this role. He walked away from it because of the toll that it took on him. Affleck walked away from it. It has nothing to do with anything else. Like literally like it took such a toll on him. Like being Batman was like a really terrible chapter in his life. I love Batfleck too, but I'm, also going to be glad to say goodbye to him in the flash movie like it like took a horrible toll on him like why would you want that for him again you know it's a pretty selfish thing to want for fans to want a guy to suffer through something that he doesn't want to do he's flat out said in interviews in the past couple of months he's done with it he just doesn't feel the same way that he did when he first got cast in batman v superman and for me you know to touch on what you said about these movies being contained in their own world and universe I love that because as much as I really did enjoy seeing Henry Cavill as Superman next to Batman, my version of Batman that I love personally the most is the one that is self-contained where there aren't characters that are so super that they can just blow down, you know, destroy a whole fucking block. I like that this movie is a little bit more realistic in terms of that and that Batman can stay a singular main character. I don't even want to see Robin. But I'm pretty sure I have a really strong feeling that we are going to see a Robin at some point pop up here. You see lots of people saying that the mayor's son, who Batman keeps yeah, glaring at yeah. throughout the movie, like, oh, is he is he going to turn out to be Robin in the next movie? Like, that's complete, like, Marvel brainwashing people into thinking that every, sing- every single little thing has yeah, to Reeves pay off. Yeah, Reeves did not set it up that way. There's so much in this movie. movie that, that's the people yeah. that, po- that post those uh, those videos, like 100 Easter eggs in the Batman that you didn't notice, you know? It's the same those. thing. It's like missing the point missing the point of the last shot of The Last Jedi, Star Wars The Last Jedi, where people are like, is he going to be the in the next movie? And I'm like... The whole you're missing the whole thematic point. <laughs> the, the the point of Batman oh, uh, glancing at that kid is that like this is a character who has an unspoken connection or kinship to someone who's just lost their parents in a very traumatic way, and there's longing and there's there's all sorts of emotion wrapped up. It's not a setup for a future movie. I, oh. I cannot stand these people who've yeah. just been brainwashed to think that everything in a comic book movie is a tease to a future well, movie. It's, also, it's completely worm for brains. Behavior. As annoying as it is, Saucy, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. We've got to give them some credit because all the Marvel shit does do that, you know? And then so some of these people are so used to that, 
like Nick said, you know, it's been basically been brainwashed, basically conditioned, conditioned to, to, yes. to feel that way whenever you see anything. It's like I said, you know, they, they they are the ones in the comment sections of all those videos on YouTube, 100 Easter eggs in the Batman that you'd never noticed. And it's like, we all noticed them. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it, I think it's just, uh, again, it kind of speaks, it, it's kind of being disrespectful to Reeves because it's like, everything that in everything in the movie is a decisive choice by the director for an artistic reason not necessarily because it's a plug or a tease to to the next product and i love that thematic too just, like, i want to touch back on that point when we get into like spoilers and whatnot but i love the way that that kind of circles back around thematically with you know batman and kind of feeling this kinship with this kid you know because he too was an orphan like I really, really love how that kind of comes back into play later. We'll touch. We'll touch on it when we get into uh, when we get into spoilers. Should we, gentlemen? Since I mean, we've been doing so much and we've been we've been rambling on here for so long. Should we, you know, run away into a little break and then come back and then we'll tear down Loisos's spoiler wall. I know he helped Trump put the bricks up there and cement them in real good. But uh, and then we can really get into the media because we still got we, we haven't touched on a Riddler. We haven't touched on a Catwoman. We haven't touched on Gort. We haven't touched on so much yet. But I feel like we got to tear the wall down to really uh, to really get into this thing. Yeah, we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Stay cool, bird boy. A laundry service that delivers. Wow. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. My name is Freeze. Learn it well. What's the chilling sound of your doom? Is the party over? I find that unlikely. Winter has come at last. They're the harbingers of your doom. You are not sending me to the cooler. I've come to make your life a living hell. The Iceman cometh. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. hate when people talk during the movie. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Your emotions make you weak. That's why this day is mine. <laughs> Tonight, hell freezes over. I'll kill you next time. Freeze well. If revenge is a dish best of cold, then put on your Sunday finest. It's time to feast. The blood will freeze in my hands. And welcome back to the Epic Film Guys podcast, where we're diving in, spoiler heavy, on Spoilers. The Man. I and want to see for- kid get strangled. I don't know how that's relevant, but okay. I wish we saw a kid get strangled in The Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you that see a kid almost a- get hit by a car. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> then it would be an instant 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, but thanks for sticking with us. We were just, uh, where did we leave off? Were we were we about to talk about Catwoman? I think we need to talk yeah. about Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, we got to tear down that spoiler wall and jump right in, I think, on Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz, who apparently uh, auditioned to be Catwoman slash Selena Kyle in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, this information came out recently and was told by the producers and casting agents that she was too urban for the role. Um, and now she's well, we're in a different world Catwoman. now. Yeah. 
Ten uh, years this later. is 2022 Batman, which is woke because the liberals are taking over. So now yeah, Catwoman that's what I has hear. to be a black person. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, of course, I don't hold any of those beliefs. I think that's ridiculous. But you yeah. have people actively saying that the movie is bad because woke Hollywood strikes again and casts a black woman as Catwoman, as if Eartha Kitt didn't make the role iconic in, in the, the fucking 60s, 60s mind you. <laughs> Whatever. In the 60s, Holly Berry already played. I know that movie doesn't count, but still, she played her. When you do a ranking, she exists. It counts. You have to include it counts, her. It counts in my heart. Okay, I'm, I'm glad that that movie means something to somebody, because last I checked, well, it, everyone it means forgot something about to all it. of us, one way or the other. But no, that but, that so. bomb scene is one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. Jesus Christ! Um, but no, I mean, I, I think going into this, she was the thing that I was the most worried about because I think in the trailers, she came off a little one note, a little stale, lacked a little charisma. And um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it now. I thought she was good in the movie, but I was not blown away by her Catwoman. I got to hmm. be honest with you guys. I think the chemistry between Pattinson and Kravitz is spot the fuck on. I love every scene with them together. But in terms of her being actually Catwoman, I know it's early in her career. This is kind of an origin for her, if you will. But I, I still didn't feel that charisma that extra sensuality that she has from the other movies and the comics and even the animated series so um i liked her a lot didn't love her was not blown away this is definitely the most vulnerable catwoman we've seen to date i mean she's still a femme fatale not quite as seductive as uh eartha kit or michelle pfeiffer not quite as dynamic but um she still kept the core of the character while you know giving her a little bit more agency in the plot. Like, I mean, Catwoman had motivation. She had things to do in the story. So I, I, I like how she kind of slinked in and out. She would disappear for a while and then come back. Um, and I really loved uh, the parallel drawn between Batman and Catwoman because they're kind of both sides of the same coin. You know, they're both without parental figures. They're both out for vengeance. But I feel like Catwoman represents Batman's temptation to like, carry out vengeance without abandon because she's dead set on murdering Falcone yeah. and Batman has to step in and stop her. So it shows what Batman could have been if he had a different set of morals or if he had been born under different circumstances. And it's the same for Riddler as well. And we'll get to that, but Riddler's kind of the pendulum swing in the extreme opposite direction. But, um, I thought Kravitz was great in the film and, um, the the ending leaves it a little ambiguous about whether or not she'll return because she does oh, end she up leaving will. Gotham, she but she definitely to. will. So much, so much of the the marketing um, has been Pattinson and Kravitz kind of side by side, or in certain uh, magazine covers and photo shoots and stuff. In, it's them. In passionate, it's them passionate embrace. Yeah, passionate I mean, embrace. some of those so, photos, man, they're like basically naked. Like I'm pretty sure he's got a boner in some of those pictures. <laughs> I'm just I mean, saying, if she's sitting on your fucking lap, are you telling me you wouldn't? It has to be a thing. That boner. But I, I liked their chemistry. I liked their uh, their interplay, their dynamic. And uh, I want to see more of it, for sure. I, I I won't say that Kravitz is my favorite Catwoman. I think that crown still belongs to Pfeiffer. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought she was great. 
Well, and and the thing, the the, the real problem with with Kravitz's Catwoman isn't Kravitz herself. Kravitz gives a phenomenal performance in the film. I love her. Uh, I've loved her since I saw her in in Big Little Lies. I think she's a phenomenal actress, and I think she does a lot of good emotional heavy lifting in this. Like you said, Loisa, she. 100% wants to straight up murder Carmine Falcone, who John Turturro, <laughs> we haven't even mentioned him yet either. Also, also phenomenal. But the, the, the one kind of thing that I really, 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 really fault this film for, I'm doing it. I don't fucking care. And I know Justin seems surprised or whatever, but I know he has a problem with it too, but it's the costume. The costume is terrible. Why is it just a goddamn ski hat that has like pointy ears out the sides of it? Uh, It's if you lean into it so much with Batman, you know, and I love Pattinson's Batman costume. I think it's absolutely fantastic. If you're going to lean into it all the way with one character, why do you not lean into it with every I single character? I have the same yeah. criticism about Riddler's fucking god awful gimp costume. It's fucking terrible. It's See, I love that. unbelievably <laughs> bad. I hated, 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 hated both of their costumes. And I think like the thing about it is, is like everything else aesthetic wise in this film is so good that they're glaringly bad by comparison. I just I hated both of them hated both of them and i think if you lean into it a little bit heavier like yeah maybe she's early in her cat burglaring career but give her more than a goddamn winter hat with its with that got a poorly cut out eye hole it's terrible it's just i thought it was clever when you put on a ski mask sometimes the the edges of the yeah, it's clever, but it's clever in the ears. same crappy way that, that Anne Hathaway's Catwoman put her the goggles. goggles up and it formed cat ears when she put her goggles up. Like, make the character like Catwoman or make like her it. not. Make, just, yeah. make, just, 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 just build a cat cowl for with real. the cat ears. The, the winter Lean hat looked it. enough like a cowl. Just give her a cowl. Lean and in some of these it. photo shoots that she's doing with Pattinson, like we were just talking about, she's wearing the actual... A cat cowl in the pictures. Yeah, like lean into um, it. Like that's my biggest problem with it is just lean into it. And like uh, uh, to touch on it here because we still got to push into into a lot of the Riddler stuff. But like my favorite Paul Dano in this movie and my favorite Riddler stuff in this movie is once he's out of that ridiculous fucking gimp costume. It's so it's it's got the Bane syndrome where you can't understand what the hell he's saying half of the time. It sounds like he's chewing on the fucking leather mouth guard from the thing. It's terrible. It's just terrible. It looks See, like I loved shit. all that. It's yeah. just I, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> and it's probably like I said, because I loved so many of the other elements of the film that they're just glaringly bad, like by comparison. But I just think both of those costume choices were baffling terrible yeah see for when it comes to riddler obviously the movie itself in terms of the way the character of the riddler is written is very much inspired by the zodiac killer and the costume is also heavily inspired right up to the fucking symbol you know badly painted on the his jacket there whatever his military garb it's just a throwback to that. I, I I really liked it because I thought it was really spooky and strange. I mean, that first scene, imagine that first scene with 
a, a semi more traditional Riddler costume. I mean, it would I don't do want him nothing. I don't want him in a fucking hat, in a spandex yeah. bodysuit with question marks. I know. On it. Like I, I, I just, definitely don't want that either. But there was something they didn't have to put him in a in a, in a ridiculous I, I, honestly mask. I get what you're saying. I just don't know where else they would have gone with it. I mean, they. I think the image itself is mysterious and i loved at the end of the movie when we find out that hey he's got followers he's got people that are kind of part of this plan with him and they're he all wearing the same thing 503 actually <laughs> to be exact <laughs> which like uh, it's pretty amazing i have more twitter followers than than the riddler well, i don't even know what the fuck that was supposed to be it's not facebook or it looks like some weird they i don't even they know want to pay he's essentially a social media company for yeah. uh branding <laughs> He's essentially a Twitch streamer, you know, yeah, he, there he you live go. streams his crimes and um, uh, there's a little bit of uh, commentary there with mob mentality and, you know, for this sure. fringe group of followers, um, all of which I loved, you know, I loved all that commit stuff. acts of terrorism. Yeah, it was very clever to kind of uh, multiply the Riddler. So it's not necessarily the Riddler physically being there. Um the Riddler himself, rather, but his followers um, dressing up and carrying out these acts of terrorism in his name. Yeah, you can even and that's see really terrifying in the messages where they're like, "Where do you get the mask?" And then another user was like, "At the you know the military store or whatever on yeah. the street." So they were they were already gotta, prepared for that. You got to update these villains somehow. I mean, if you're putting if you're putting them in uh, modern day, you have to make them make them terrifying and you make them real and. Um, what better way to do that than to have your villain be a, an angry Twitch streamer, essentially? <laughs> but, but, but scary, dude. And and it's funny yeah, because there's is. a line he of dialogue is. where he's like, I'm not physical like you to Batman. But dude, he seemed pretty fucking physical. He killed the mayor, you know, and then uh, whatever it is, the DA or whoever it is, um, Gil, dude, he fucking is basically strangling him. He hits him on the head in the back of his car. He's definitely physical. Um, he's a force, man. He's just sneaky. That's how serial yeah, killers and, are. And again, it's, it's the same with, with Catwoman. And I think it really speaks a lot to the strength of the screenplay and that they all, Batman, Catwoman and the Riddler are all the same. And they're basically operating on the fringes of society. But um, again, they're all just kind of on, uh, opposite extremes like the Riddler is basically like a reflection of Batman um, oh, there's sure. no line there's no line where he says like you and me we're the same uh, which thank god they didn't do that they had respect for the audience that they'd figure that out all on their lonesome even the newest Bond film which I liked has that scene where it's like you and me Bond we're, we're the same <laughs> and it's like I that dialogue is <laughs> so cliche know. I'm so glad I'm so glad they didn't touch on that. But there is that commentary in which, like, the the movie speaks to wealth inequality. And, and I mean, you can't really make a Batman movie in, in 2022 in our socially and politically conscious world um, and not address the fact that Batman is a white savior narrative, basically. Here, here's a person who's born into wealth, and he has had a lot of trauma in his life. But, you know, he has all these resources at his disposal – um, he's a billionaire. He's a white billionaire. And, um, you know, of course, uh, people are going to rage online about Catwoman's line about white privilege. But that is a theme in the movie that I, f that I think needed to be addressed. Because without being heavy handed, it injects that little bit of social commentary where it's like, you know, your uh, 
you know, the wealth that you're born into could set you on a path, a different path than people who have had less um, advantages than you. So here's the Riddler who has basically come from the same trauma as Batman. He just went a little bit, you know, skewed to the side and became something, um, you know, just as scary as just as scary as Batman. But the good thing that that does, too, is is it does what every good villain story should do is and it makes them the hero of their own story. And it at least makes them in some way or another sympathetic to the audience, because who like, especially when you're listening to the Riddler at the end of the movie, when he's talking about like after Thomas Wayne's murdered, like the whole recovery project was kind of completely left by the wayside. And then they were all just left there with no devices and nobody cared about all of them as, you know, the poor orphans. All they cared about was rich Bruce Wayne, you know, and I mean. Most people watching that, like, is anybody really going to, like, kind of disagree with that? Yes. Does he go way too far and become radicalized and He's... become a serial killer? Yeah. Like, those are all really terrible things. He takes it to that extreme, like you mentioned, Loisos, because he's kind of that exact reflection, like, exactly the opposite uh, 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 reflection of Batman in that sense. But, you know, when you listen to just that, it's like, d- dude's got a point. He's a... He- He's a psychopath, but I kind of agree with yeah. him. And that's why I feel like the third act is so important to the movie. I've heard lots of people say that the uh, the movie could have ended when Riddler got arrested. No. Yeah, no absolutely because not. Because the thing is, um, Batman discovers at a certain point in the movie that the problem with Gotham is not one individual. It's the entire structural system that is fundamentally broken and corrupt. Yeah. Riddler has known this all along. And so... Um, you know, his plan to blow up essentially the foundation of Gotham, those dams, to completely crumble the in- infrastructure, because the only way to rid the city of of crime is just to flush it out. And it kind of becomes like a disaster movie where like the stakes are real and the consequences are devastating. And it was so refreshing to have an ending that wasn't just Batman punches Riddler in the face like (laughs) or like a CGI laden showdown like that third act is so important and it was so refreshing to have something like I don't know it means something to the story and it swings that thematically 100% in the opposite direction because we just talked about how you know the Riddler's like that opposite side of the coin from Batman and you get to see like how you could have gone in that other way and I think like it swings that around to like Bruce Wayne, Batman realizing that he can't just be vengeance. Like he has to bring hope to the people of Gotham yeah, City. That, that like, line, you man see is, Batman being uh, a hero. Like that's like one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Like they're in uh, Gotham Square Garden. You know, I, I hate to I hate to stop you there, Nick, but it might be one of my favorite scenes in Batman movie history. Not just in this movie, but just all of the movies. That scene because his change in motivation is the journey, the arc for his character. Because at first we see him fight crime purely out of Just anger. Ang- so angry, yeah. But by the end, he does it to protect, you know, to fight for justice and not vengeance. So at the end, the shot, I, I think you were about to mention, um, when he's leading the people with the flare, that shot is not by accident. He's literally become a beacon. Yeah. Of hope he to inspire he the people actually, of Gotham. In that moment becomes a hero. And I like I'm kind of like even even just like a little bit before that, like there's that one shot when they're like all up in the rafters or whatever, and there's like a transformer that's going crazy and he doesn't think twice about it. He just gets out the gun, whoosh, swings over there, and just 
cuts the line and falls down into the water. Had, had he like, not, there would have been a lot of dead civilians. Exactly. It is like that whole arc right there. It's like a complete transformation from just vengeance to hope. He literally, like in that sequence, that whole sequence, and yeah, you're exactly right, Lisa. It's like that shot, how amazing is that shot of him leading all the people out of the floodwaters through the floor of the of the of the arena like it's it's unbelievable and i really 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 don't get people that are like this movie didn't know when it wanted to end or it didn't know how to end or it should have ended no it shouldn't have it was perfect because it completes the character's transformation because the bruce wayne at the end of this movie or the batman at the end of this movie isn't just gonna like throw down on a whole bunch of thugs and be like i'm vengeance you know, like he's obviously still going to try to use those tools and stuff like that. But this is a character that's evolved. Now we're going to get like he realizes that he can help by doing more than just beating up thugs. He can be the philanthropist. He can be billionaire Bruce Wayne. He can help people in so many other different ways. And I think we're going to get that evolution of the character yeah. as these films start to evolve. I love the ending of this movie, like third act of this movie, like the first two acts of this movie are slow but methodically so like there's a lot of stuff going on in them and there's just a ton of stuff happening it's really really good but my god that crescendo that it hits in the third act like it's 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 amazing and like you said loisos it's not it's not just a bombastic cgi smash fest where it's just Showdown, craziness yeah, it wasn't like that it's at just, all or or a light show yeah, yeah it's it's just it's 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 batman legitimately transcending vengeance and becoming a hero becoming hope but it's becoming also a exciting for too. the people of gotham yeah it's also it exciting though it's not like it's a boring ending or anything yeah. like you know it's not like a dream it's dramatic but we still get batman beating the shit out of bad guys we still get a lot of action we still get a lot of suspense i do have to touch on it before i forget because we are talking about the ending and that that shot we've never seen in a, in a batman movie before of him carrying that little girl in his arms and that line of dialogue, you know, vengeance won't change the past mine or anyone else's people need hope. I cried. It's, it's great, dude. When yeah, I me heard too. That the line, thing that got me, the thing that got me at the beginning of the movie, again, I mentioned it earlier, but people cower from him. Civilians cower from him, but there's that shot when he's um, cradling that woman and she doesn't want to let go of him. You know, she's she's grabbing yeah, onto she him. She puts because- her hand on his shoulder and he looks down and then he puts his hand on her hand. And so emotional. It, that got me. Yeah, you did, he didn't even have to make a facial expression. You just saw it in his eyes. That's how great Pattinson is in this role. Yeah. So much great eye acting from Pattinson. It's, I mean, I, it, 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 I cannot and I and I emphasize that cannot say enough good things about the way that this movie comes to that climax and the and the and the journey that this character completes. It's unbelievable. It's 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 mesmerizing. I mean, you get the feeling that there's still so much corruption in Gotham that, like I've said before, it's just scratching the surface of it. But I think now you're dealing with a more evolved character that understands that he can't just go out into the night and beat the crap out of thugs. He has to do so much more. He has to be so much more to the people of Gotham or he's never going to be able to save it. He can't punch his way to saving Gotham. And I think I love that that's that character realizing that and 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 
adapting to that. I can't wait to see where they take the character uh, as we go forward in subsequent films. But I mean, it's 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 so moving. There's so much amazing emotion. It's it, and Giacchino's score is unbelievable. Oh my god, all timer like, man. All I this mean, stuff it, like all uh, these things come to this perfect, perfect climax in this movie. I would not change literally a second of 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 the climax, like that third act of this movie. It's unbelievable. God, it's good. This this. The score doesn't just inform the characters, it is a character yeah, in it this is. movie. I mean, how each how each character in the film has a different theme, and that theme comes in at the perfect times, um, the perfect moments, and I, I, I mean, the score really elevates this movie to a, diff- a whole other yeah. level. Yeah. And I, I wasn't sitting in the in the theater watching the credits to see if there was an extra scene at the end. Like I know a lot of people were, I was just wanting to listen, listen to, the to the beautiful, yep, beautiful score. score. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I obviously fucking blew my wad early and listened to the score like 50 <laughs> times before I saw the movie. I could not help it. But for me, I've already, I have proclaimed this much in regards to the movie in terms of ranking. This is the first time since Elfman that I've felt, like a true Batman score. And I love Zimmer's work. Zimmer's one of my favorite composers. I saw him live, like, you know, uh, me and Paul from the countdown went back and forth a little bit in, in regards to that. And some other people were like, Zimmer can't write a theme. He writes amazing themes. But for me, what he did with Batman was exactly what Nolan wanted was a little bit more of a grounded version. This is Gothic. It is operatic. It is aggressive and it's also beautiful and emotional all at the same time. And it feels like the music that I would hear if I was reading a Batman comic, you know what I mean? And they finally gave him another memorable theme. Anytime you saw Batman, it's when, when I was a kid and you'd hear the, the Burton theme, you'd get excited. Same thing here. Dun, 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 dun. It immediately it's, it's gets you better. excited. It's way better than in my opinion. And um I agree. Catwoman Catwoman has this like again, it kind of taps into the femme fatale of the character, but also the vulnerability of the character, this beautiful piano uh leitmotif, and then the Riddler has uh, you and I talked about this, Justin. Almost a Danny Elfman. It's very Elfman esque. You know, yes, the choir coming in, like it's beautiful. Um, so, I mean, each character has their own distinctive theme, and um, I, I love that. Well, and they're all memorable. I'll, I'll, too. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I did. So, I, I left the theater after I watched this movie. I had to go to the grocery store uh, downtown. So, I got in the car. I pulled up G. Kino's Batman theme. I turned up the stereo exceptionally loud and i blared it <laughs> on repeat literally the whole way down there i think i mentioned this like when when the track actually dropped but the the great thing and, and you mentioned it as a character loisos but when you listen to this theme there are moments in this when you can feel the pain the anguish of bruce wayne and then you can feel the fury the anger of batman of vengeance and you can kind of like feel almost that moment when he puts the cowl on, becomes Batman, becomes vengeance, becomes like is in, like in, infested with that anger and that anger kind of overtakes him. All of that stuff is there just in the music. Giacchino absolutely, absolutely knocks it out of the park. I think I and, and uh, nothing will ever replace the iconography of Elfman's 89 theme. Like nothing ever will for me because obviously that was the movie for me that made me love movies. You know, that was the movie that made me love Batman. Nothing will ever replace that. But like, I think this score 
like hands down is more emotional. It has more emotional health oh, for sure than yes. than Elfman's scores ever did. And I and I love that for it. It's it's such an amazing compliment to the masterful work from from all of the actors from the screenwriting perspective. Literally every aspect. I mean, it just it, it crushes it. I mean, it's unbelievable. I did have to say and comment on the score that I didn't realize it until my third watch. I don't know if it was directly intentional, but as we just said, there are a little bit of hints to Elfman's work in there as well. It's kind of like a lot of different influences from the previous Batman movies, but also Giacchino on top of his game. But during the squirrel suit, like I, that's what it's called. It's a fucking weird looking thing. This Batman doesn't have, you know, pull, pull his cape out and he doesn't jump off the building like a regular Batman does. This Batman hesitates and he's scared and he uses a squirrel suit. But during that sequence, if you listen to the score, it's pretty much Zimmer's Batman theme that plays. So I'm not sure if that was an intentional thing or if it just sounds a hundred percent intentional. Cause this, I mean, yeah. th- this is very reminiscent of like the, the theme for the animated series as well. A lot of the music from the it animated is. series. Yeah. I noticed you know, that it definitely sure. has a lot of those different motifs. And it's like you mentioned earlier, Justin, this builds on all of the great things that came before it. It's got a little sprinkle of this. It's got a little touch of that. It's got a little flourish of this. Exactly. All of it is just so perfectly executed. So it still feels familiar, but it's still, gives us one of like again this could have been three times as long there's so much amazing emotional weight to this entire journey that he's on i absolutely absolutely adore Well, can you imagine nick that he actually they tested a four-hour cut of the movie i'm like what else is in that extra hour i would love to fucking see it and i know he said there's no there's no extended cut that's gonna come out jeffrey wright as gordon because i I would love to see that footage i just wonder what it is I, I think Reeves said it was mostly just tightening things up and like getting rid of dead dead space here and there. And um, I don't think there's anything truly substantial in that hour necessarily. But I mean, I I want to live in this world for another hour. Nit, little nitpick. It was maybe I'm just saying this because three hours is a long you time were to tired. sit, especially after a long day at work. I was tired or saucy. Um, slightly ever so slightly too long i was never bored crucially i was never bored but it just seemed like um, it's very plodding and methodical especially in the first two acts the pace is very very i mean there's a lot of them standing around looking at stuff and i think for some people not saying you like us because i know your taste in movies but for some people i could see them fidgeting because it's it, we've never seen Batman like this before. They're used to like, okay, when's the ne- the next time you beat somebody up, or when's the next time someone you know when's jumps that out next of a window? Big budget action set yeah. piece coming. But here, it's which we have to talk about the Batmobile. Chase. Oh, we fucking have to. It's my favorite scene in the entire movie. <laughs> but um, no, it's like I get what you're saying though, because my first watch, I was tired from not sleeping the entire night before because I was so excited to see the movie. So when I finally got to the movie, it was like I think it started at seven. I the first act i was like totally awake and then i started to like doze off a little bit because i was just so tired um but watching it if you go earlier and during the day or something i told you you should see it a second time for sure yeah i definitely Um, but it'll 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 do a lot better for you drink a fucking coffee or something or have some caffeine or or drink another godzilla energy drink or some shit um (laughs) but yes guys we, we we absolutely i fucking i felt like a kid again it was the moment in the movie for me when I heard the sound and I knew because I kept waiting. I was like, all right, they're doing what Burton did in a way. And they're doing what Spielberg's so good at doing. Hide it for a long time, then bring it out and make it exciting. 
And the first moment when we see that Batmobile, holy fuck. That sound is like, <laughs> and it builds and G Kino scores like boom, boom, boom. And then, oh my God, dude, it's, it's, I, I, I swear to God, I, I'm like at a loss for words here. That chase sequence is one of my favorite things ever to be put into a fucking movie. I get goosebumps. It was so fucking good. It's an entirely different brand of goosebumps that crept up all over my arms, down my back. And I saw this in Dolby Cinema. That's right. I saw this in Dolby Cinema. And the the sound of the Batmobile revving and the cars crashing into each other, like... And of course, it's Dolby Cinema, so they have like they have it all around you in the seats. I was getting my prostate massaged by the <laughs> sound of the revving and the cars. It was unbelievable. And um, I don't know if uh, anyone listening happens to have a Dolby Cinema anywhere near them, but if they do, then I recommend seeing it in that format because the movie looked great. The movie sounded the sound design of this movie is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I mean, the the one thing that I really think about that, that makes it really, really good is there's a lot of really good tight shots. It's extremely well edited as well. And I mean, it's just like it's one of those kinds of like, you know, Batman's going to be all right. Like we've all seen that shot in the trailer of the penguin flip this car flipping upside down and then Batman stalking toward him and everything. But like the whole time, it's like you're inching closer to the edge of your seat because it's just so masterfully put together. I love the Batmobile. I love the entire sequence. I love the way that it ends too. Like all of a sudden it kind of just snaps out of it as Penguin's car just goes tumbling end over end before coming to a you, you get that shot of the Batmobile kind of skidding. Yeah. And you see like the tail end of it. And then you see his car rolling in the in, in the background. Yeah. It's, it's a masterful shot. Well, the perspective, the way that it's shot, because the cameras are mounted on onto the, the cars. Yeah, on the sides of so, the car. Yeah, so you're seeing the chase from Penguin's perspective, where he's being pursued, and then you're seeing it from Batman's perspective on the Batmobile, where he's charging forward. And it's just the energy of that scene is just unlike anything else in the movie, for sure. It's that one sequence that I'm, I know I'm going to look forward to yeah, watching I mean, um, and it's, when I watch the movie uh, again. One of the things I appreciate the most about it is it's way more bullet and French connection than it is Fast and Furious. It feels like Definitely. really gritty, real. I mean, I know there's CG in those shots. You have to have it, especially when you're having the Batmobile, you know, basically running into tractor trailers and such. But it, it just had that kind of energy. And again, going back to the music, the whole scene wouldn't be what it is without that score. And it's one of my favorite, uh, I believe it's highway to the anger zone. That's the score track for, <laughs> and it's like, he always has those jokey pun. Yeah. Titles it's, but it's so, like, it, I've been listening to it prepping for, you know, getting warmed up at the, at the gym because I'm like, it's making me so like excited and like almost like aggressive. Like I want to go fucking pound some weights because of it. It's, it's just absolutely <laughs> brilliant i mean i haven't felt that way in a batman movie in a long time but again this is one of those things that reeves knows he has to have in the movie name a batman movie that doesn't have a chase scene they all have one but this is definitely uh far and away one of the best ever i think it's it's the batman template i mean when you when you you, you can you can do a lot of different things with with a batman movie but it's one of those it's one of those things that's in the template you got to have a batmobile chase sequence you got to have the batmobile just doing something crazy like you know driving up a building sideways and passing by somebody in their kitchen <laughs> washing dishes 
<laughs> the one thing though too is, is, is I love the design. I mean, it, it was a little bit jarring when they first revealed it because everyone was just like, "Oh, it's just it's, a it's just a muscle car. It's not." But this is an early Batman. I mean, this he's only in year two. I, mean, I love it. it's a muscle car, but I love that. Like the first thing, it's like Loisaw said. Like the first things is like you hear that car and then you see it's like the a horror. glow of that jet engine. Then that's the first shot that, th- that you see of the car. I may be yeah. mistaken on that, but like, I'm pretty sure that's, no, the, that's first the first thing you see of the car is well, we the see jet engine around, shooting out the back. We, of it. we see uh, the, it cloaked with a, a tarp over yeah. it in the bat cave or whatever the fuck that is. It's not, but a yeah, cave, but like but, but in the action, like the beginning of that action sequence, that's yeah. the, you hear it. And that's the first shot you see is you see the jet engine popping out of the back of it. And so, it's, it yeah. The way that it's lit, you only see the silhouette. And I love, I, I read an interview with Matt, Reeves that said, I'm not sure if you know this or not, Saucy, that he used the movie Christine, the John Carpenter movie, as an inspiration in terms of how the car should be like this animalistic evil beast. And it feels that way. It, like when you look at the actual yeah, Batmobile. It makes, it makes complete sense because it's like a horror movie monster the yeah. way that it's framed. Nick, you said something to the effect of uh, every Batman movie has a template. Another one of my nitpicks, I'm going to have to nitpick a, just a little bit as we're wrapping up, but I I did feel You're not that my the dad. Riddler planning his, <laughs> planning his capture <laughs> and, and the subsequent uh, interrogation scene felt a little bit too much like The Dark Knight. It's not like this this trope is a new phenomenon, but it, you know it's been done plenty of times before. But the the Dark Knight set the trend of you know the villain being one step ahead and orchestrating everything from from jail. And after the Dark Knight, it just seemed like every movie was doing it. The Avengers did it. Skyfall you know the one did one thing it. I love uh, about yeah. this, this movie, movie, and I love about Riddler's plan too, is uh, Batman fails. Batman doesn't stop him. He succeeds. Yeah, and I do really I love, appreciate I that love, about this. Yeah, you brought the rat into I the love light. Dano's. Uh, Paul Dano's reaction uh, to Batman not figuring it out was incredible too because he fully expected He's, Batman you're to not figure as it smart out. As and his, I thought you were. The realization <laughs> of like, wow, you you really do not have this figured out was amazing. Um, yeah, Dano's great. Uh, Dano felt it's almost as if Matt Reeves saw his performance in Prisoners and was just like, do that. Nick's favorite movie. Do exactly. By that. the way, he's brilliant in that fucking movie too. And I mean, but he's like. He's terrifying. He's weird. He's, I mean, and I know people are comparing here. He's definitely not what people are saying where he he looked at Ledger and was trying to one up him. But I do think, I do believe that he is on the same level in terms of performance and how powerful he is in that role. It's a great performance. It really is. I mean- it's 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 absolutely terrifying. It's great. I'm excited with the idea that we know at the end of this movie he's still around. He's got some people yep. as cheerleaders that are on his side, or a single person, which we have to talk about. Um, that's included in this movie in one scene. My twin. Yep. My long lost yeah. twin. Uh, and um, <laughs> it's it, so he, we, we're going to be seeing probably more of the Riddler, which is exciting. He's not dead. But ladies and gentlemen, we well, have we I'd have to address to see, this. And, and, and well, you're going to jump in there. Uh, in there on that point yeah, in a yeah, second yeah. justin but what i'd really love to see and and we've mentioned it a few times in here but uh, like give us a sprawling plot like an arkham style plot which brings in like a bunch of different members of batman's rogues gallery to play different levels of roles like you don't have to just kill villains off and just have one villain be the centric point of this you can have a sprawling story that intertwines multiple villains for sure doing this movie different things that. and fulfilling different roles yeah. and i really yeah, like keep all these things, keep all of them alive. That, that's great. That's absolutely great. It's, ama- it's amazing how well the movie juggles. 
keep every tool in your toolbox. That's the thing that frustrates me about the Marvel movies that they cast great actors. Like they cast Kate Blanchett or like Mads Mikkelsen, amazing, amazing actors, kill them off after they one movie. give them movie. nothing to do in it's... the movie and then kill them off in the movie. <laughs> yeah, see here, right, they, they right. had Dano doing everything. I mean, even when he wasn't on screen, his presence was felt yeah. for sure. And to your point, Nick, I totally agree. This movie proved that that old saying about having too many villains in a movie doesn't work. This movie proved that it can work if you do it right. I mean, granted, the movie is almost three fucking hours long, so it has a lot of time to to, to flesh them out and give them their own, uh, you know, t- their time on screen. But there's Penguin, there's Catwoman, there's Falcone. Y- you know, we've got the Riddler. We've got, which I have to bring it up now, even though he's in one scene, we have the Joker in the movie. And um, I remember calling you the, the first time I saw the movie, Lois House, because I saw it about a week early at a press screening, and I had to bring that out, and you kind of already knew where I was going. I was like... Ugh. I knew they, they couldn't resist. I mean, it does kind of um, disappoint me a little bit that it's like, yeah, well... Yeah, was I, at first. I, in, in the in the context of like the the roadmap of the Nolan trilogy, it's like you got to bring bring in your your big villain in the second movie, and I'm like, well, like they couldn't resist doing well, it. Well, I mean, with you got to you got to think. I, I mean, I, Dano is such a, a powerhouse in this movie. My viewpoint is, even as much as I don't want to see the Joker as the main villain in the next one, we know that's definitely not the plan as of right now. Who else? Wow. Who else do you follow up with after? The, well, I, think I mean, you seriously, don't have to make him the villain of the next movie, though. I think, I think if you if you put him in this and just that one little brief scene where you don't even really get to see him really all that much, you just kind of see like a little bit of his face. You can kind of see like the rictus screen just a little bit and and all that stuff. But I I think that it's just establishing that he exists in the world, and I and I, and I like that that yeah, is that's like establishing why, yeah. that he exists in the world. But you know. He's I do like the implication that he's one of the first criminals that Batman's put in Arkham. Um cuz I mean Joker is the like de facto original yeah. Batman nemesis. So um there there's a lot that can be explored there and Barry Keegan is a powerhouse. He I mean looks we've seen him in the part. I mean he looks Well definitely and I I want to see him in full Joker. Well, I mean, if, if you if you, like, look, if you look carefully, I mean, if, if you saw the movie, I know you guys only saw it once, but I really analyzed that scene. This is the the scariest looking Joker we've had in a while. Like his lips are like not only scarred, they're puffy and weird, and his whole face it's 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 the same kind of makeup that we got on Colin Farrell's Penguin. It's heavy makeup, I think, and his hair is green. It looks the most like the comic since Nicholson. I think for sure. I think it's definitely like when I saw it, like it immediately struck me as like the Arkham Joker. Like it has that look yeah, to it where exactly. it's very heavy yeah. makeup. Like it's exaggerated in in a lot of ways, and I'm I'm here for that. And I mean, again, that's one of those things that has me. And of course, granted, we're going off of like a little kind of side view, sort of that you can't really see him all that well. But it it only lends like it only makes me matter about the gimp mask and the winter hat. Like if you're going to lean into it, lean into it with all of them. Just lean into it with all of them. I, I can agree with that. I just I know a lot of fans are reading too far into this. And again, just read interviews after you see the movie with Matt Reeves. There was another scene apparently that they had shot that he removed from the movie, which was Batman actually visiting the Joker at Arkham as kind of like a Hannibal Lecter thing where he was trying to extract information about stuff in Gotham. Thank we God didn't that's need not that. Didn't go there. And I'm so thankful yeah. that they didn't have that. But I mean, I'm telling you right now, before they even showed his face, 
when they when they were zooming into Paul Dano and his cell in Arkham, I was like, okay, here we go. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. And I knew before yeah. he even spoke. And when, as soon as he spoke, people weren't connecting it until he said clown. And people were like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's the fucking Joker, dude. And that, But I, I'm going to say, though, as little as we got of him, his presence was also felt. And I loved his voice, man. A totally different take on the character, which is why it is cinematic blue balls. I understand why Reeves would have him in the movie just to establish he exists. But, dude, don't cast an actor like that and give me that There's tease no and not give that to me. It's so unfair. There's no way that he's not going to appear in, in either of the future films because, again, they put so much thought into the, the design. If you read the article in the interview with Reeves, they really talked about how they approached the design of the makeup and the character and everything. There's no way they would do all that work if we didn't get to see it. I think it's just teasing. I think it's just like, you know, the the article was, don't expect to see so-and-so in the next movie. And I'm like, but, there's no uh, way. But Loisas is like, <laughs> there's no expect way they to see so-and-so in the next movie because there's no, I mean... That's the thing. The GA will not understand that. They're not going to go and read an interview for the most part. So they're like, oh, shit, Joker's in the next one. I mean, the the first thing my dad said to me, because my dad drove all the way down here from New York to see the movie with me at Dolby Cinema. He turned to me and goes, oh, so Joker's the next one. So everyone's going to think the same thing. I mean, whether we get it or not is, if not, is another story. If not story, part but. two, then bring bring him in for part three as like the, the big Well, that was my hitter. hope in, in general, even before I saw this movie, was I knew... Warner Brothers is probably like, gotta have the Joker. I'm just fucking thankful that they did not try to half-ass connect this to the Joaquin Phoenix version, which everyone thought they were going to do. I'm like, please, Or God, God forbid, God forbid the Leto version. <laughs> you don't want no beef? You don't want no beef? I just like, listen, we're, we're, we're kind Snyder of wrapping tried, out here, I, I feel like, but I <laughs> yeah. just, I, I, I've mentioned him a few times and, and, and I can't let the, the rest of the, the rest of the episode slip away. Oh, you got to do Gordon without man. again, mentioning Jeffrey Wright and how yeah. unbelievably like what a great, really amazingly measured performance. Like, and the one thing that I really love about his performance the most is they really telegraph again, great chemistry between he and Pattinson, but you can really, really tell that. Batman has a respect for Gordon because he's the only not crooked cop. Like you could see that Batman really kind of looks to him like almost in in a, in a way a little bit as like a mentor or as like the kind of thing that the police force should aspire to be definitely a confidant. Like I love, I love his performance. It's so, so measured, but then there's those moments when Gordon like legitimately like gets in his face and it's like, you you knock, will you stop this fucking Batman shit for a second? Dude, it's (laughs) funny because he, dude, he, Gordon calls Batman man. He's like, I don't even know who you are, man. Like what is the it's the first time we've heard Gordon like they're buddies. What I love that know? he has that arc in the film too, where that's how Gordon reacts to him early on. But as we go through the film and as people are dying, the Riddler's killing people off, and as you're seeing more and more of the corruption in Gotham, you really see Gordon take that swing to uh this is the only guy I can trust. To where, you know, like you kind of get to like that point in in like the in the in the you know, in, in, in comics and in, in the Nolan movies and all that stuff, like eventually I think Gordon reaches a point where it doesn't matter who he is. He's Batman, you know, and I really think that this Gordon gets there by the end. And and like I said, probably one of my favorite parts about this movie was just their interplay and just the amount of screen time the two of them had together just doing their thing. I loved it. Well, think about how great the relationships are 
between Batman and Gordon, Batman and Catwoman, even Batman and the Riddler. I mean, they're all perfect. They could have easily, you know, dropped the ball on any one of those, but they all work and it all works within the same movie and every character's motivation at the end seems to pan out. Everyone kind of has an arc there that seems to work. And again, there's a lot of genius in this movie. And I know that it's going to be one of those movies where in a couple of more weeks, the hype will die down a little bit more. And we're going to start hearing that word overrated already, because that's how quickly people come to those kinds of terms. I'm just for one as a cinephile, a movie critic, and, you know, first and foremost, a Batman fan. So fucking thankful that this movie was made that Warner Brothers allowed a filmmaker, an auteur, to make the movie that he wanted to make about this and character for that he has a passion God, for. let him make the sequels that he wants to make. Exactly. Keep your fucking studio executives out of it. Let and I, But I think Reeves is like, uh, he won't do that. Like, you know, he he's not going to be in that position, you know, where like Snyder was or whatever. Like, I don't think... I don't think they're going to be able to kind of get that control away from Reeves. I don't know what the contract would look like. No, but. I mean, I mean, you got to remember, guys, he was attached and he was announced and then he left the project yeah. because they had disagreements. Then he came back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's but obviously I really he's going to have it his way. He was like, that's no, it. this is my vision. This is what I want to do. And you're going to give me the creative freedom that I want or I'm not doing it. And like, I, I really hope that now yeah. that's what we get going through this entire thing. Warner Brothers executive Toby Emmerich was recently interviewed, and he said that in relation to the DC films, they were going to focus on quality, which, I mean, I could have told you that, <laughs> Warner Brothers. Who, the, who knew? The, this, isn't, this isn't rocket surgery. Um, and, and that the biggest influence on quality is the filmmaker that you hire. And I really wish they would have figured that out before completely screwing over Zack Snyder and David, David Ayer, Ayer for bastard. example. <laughs> um, they seem to have learned their lesson. We'll we'll see. Um, but I mean, I think DC has been on a uh, on a winning streak lately. I mean, from Zack Snyder's Justice League, which they should have released in the first place, but um, you know, to James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, to now The Batman. I mean, it's been it's been a hell of a run. Let's hope that Black Adam and The Flash and Aquaman 2 all follow suit and that are all at least solid, entertaining movies because we have all of those movies this year, which is crazy. It's, it's insane. I mean, that that sizzle reel that they showed before. Which I don't is know great marketing, all, by all, the way. It is, for sure. Um should have but had that, Keaton in there, ma- goddammit. But I understand you're trying to promote the Batman. Well, you I mean, don't I mean you hear Keaton's you voice, hear but in there. <laughs> yeah. They're not gonna give us like the, the, and, I really uh, I, I'll I'll be that guy. I don't want to see him in the suit until I see him in the theater. I want to see I him don't. right now. I know you do, but I don't I, want I don't want to see him at all until I see so him. So I can on the whack off screen. in the bathroom Because to then it. I'm gonna ejaculate <laughs> so fucking hard it's gonna blow yeah. a hole through the screen and we're gonna miss the rest of the Well the only picture we've gotten that's official is on his Instagram, he was in the suit and he oh, just the, took of a the shadow of him casting the shadow. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's it. That's all I, mean, I want. I don't want to see yeah. him in his full glory until I see him on the big screen in that bat suit looking all grizzled and old and not giving a fuck. That's what I want to see. Yeah. That's I want him to, to look like about, Eckhart in the suit. Like if you suited <laughs> Eckhart up in the bat suit, that's how grizzled and old I want him to I be. I want CGI Eckhart. <laughs> I want him to bring him back to life. <laughs> Hey, it's a flashback. They have a flashback. So CGI Porkins. Better and, fucking CGI yeah, Hookins yeah. in there. God damn it. Yeah. But um, 
ladies and gentlemen, we got to go around the horn here and do ratings. That's something that we haven't been doing on the other segments on the show, but we're back to EFG Classic. So we're doing our one out of 10 ratings. So Saucy, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, aside from a couple misgivings, a couple nitpicks, again, uh, one more nitpick. I think Andy Serkis deserved more screen time. I just would have liked to have seen more of him. I like the function he served in the story, but I would have liked maybe one or two scenes just to kind of flesh out the relationship between him and Bruce a little bit more. The hospital scene between them was very touching. Very, very touching, though. Um, But, I mean, I'm so glad that Warner Brothers, again, trusted Matt Reeves to carry out this vision of Batman that's very exciting. And for many, you know, the definitive version of Batman we've seen depicted on screen. I think I need another viewing or two to cement that for myself. I would have loved to... You know, in the future, I would love to have the the complete trilogy and the gift of hindsight, you know, free from recency bias to say for sure. Of course, the Tim Burton films will always be the version closest to my heart. But as far as the Batman is concerned, I think the whole cast and creative team really came through and delivered the movie I hoped they would and knew that they could. So I say bring on part two in which Gotham City will next be terrorized by the Condiment King. <laughs> Nine no, out of ten. No. Nine out of ten. I want terrorized King by Tut, King Goddamn Tut. I, want, yeah. I tweeted at Matt Reeves. I said, put King Tut in the Batman sequel, you coward. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Matt Reeves could take King Tut and make him fucking terrified. He could. He could, and he'd be fucking baller. You I just want him gotta singing, keep that shredded wheat beard. I want him singing ancient Egyptian, like, fucking... Things and and everything. I don't care. I want, give me give me King Tut in a Batman movie, you sons of bitches. But uh, I I'll, I'll lead right off of uh, Loy Sauce's nine out of ten. There, yeah, this is a nine out of ten. Easy slam dunk in the hole for me. I mean, I'm nitpicking and and just you know having like the slightest misgivings about like the costumes were in stuff. But I loved every bit of this movie. I loved how excellently it was paced. I loved how beautifully all these characters are written and acted. And yeah, that third act, like Batman, literally transforming before your eyes just from being a vengeful vigilante into the hero and the hope of Gotham is spellbinding cinema. Absolutely amazing movie. I cannot wait to see it again. Nine out of 10. Yeah. And I'm going to follow lock and step nine out of 10 for me. Um, There's not much to hate about this movie. There's not much to dislike about this movie. There's everything to love about this movie. And as a Batman fan, as I've said a million times on this episode, it really wet my whistle. It, it checked all the boxes. It did everything I hoped it would do and more, and it impressed the shit out of me. Matt Reeves, I mean, I just can't wait to see what he does next. I will say now, and closing thoughts, because Nick got to shit on the Catwoman costume and the Riddler costume, but um, you know, going into this movie, I was not a fan. I was actually a protester in regards to the Pattinson suit. was not a fan of it. It just looked a little bit weird and strange and Um, But I am very thankful to say that the way that it is lit and the way that it is shot and the presence of Pattinson in that suit really made me impressed so much so that I already bought the $300 action figure that, you know, is of that suit. I thought he was going to say he bought a bat suit and he was going to be wearing it like in the next the I almost bought bought a replica of the cowl today. (laughs) So don't speak. You're speaking too soon. But no, I mean, everything won me over. And I think, you know, this movie shut up a lot of the naysayers. Pattinson is a great Batman uh, and he really did the role justice and everyone else involved. Absolutely brilliant. Fantastic movie. One of the best Batman movies ever made. One of the best comic book movies ever made. It's a masterpiece. Can can I pose can I pose a a, a, a question? (laughs) 
something yes. that angered me. Riddle me. This. I saw I saw in the shaken not nerd listener community somebody posted that Batman head that you can buy the serve popcorn out of at the theater that like collectible head. Uh, why, why don't they serve the popcorn out of his mouth so I can make out with Batman when I want popcorn while watching the movie? <laughs> the fact that they called it a popcorn it's vessel, a vessel is yeah. just so funny to me. I have it back there somewhere. I had to get it. It was fucking awesome. Like, damn it. Put the popcorn in his mouth so I have to make out with Batman when I want to eat popcorn. <laughs> there's something. Uh, there's something sweetly poetic and also hilarious and ghoulish about the fact that you eat popcorn out of Batman's head. <laughs> out of his skull. Where his brain's supposed to be? It's like something the Joker would do. I hope they put that prop in the next movie and the Joker's just sitting, watching something on TV, just eating popcorn out of a Batman head. It'd be very <laughs> fitting. Very fitting. But that's it. That's, yeah, yeah. nine up that's and down the, the road. Batman. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that fine line there, man. You know, I, I debated on a perfect score for this movie maybe one more viewing but i mean i think nine out of ten says it enough it really is one of the best ever and we're so thankful and appreciative that this movie exists for me at least it was definitely a huge mood booster and got me really excited and you know no matter how old we get we're when it comes to batman we're always going to feel like kids again and that excitement that's what i felt like like driving to the store blaring that theme i literally felt like i used to when i was a kid like taken my cassette that I had held up the boombox to the TV to record Elfman's Batman theme like and playing it as loud as I could while I was like riding my bike around and stuff like that I literally felt like that again like driving down to the store blaring Giacchino's Batman theme from this film like I mean it it immediately does connect back to that I mean I, I loved it so so much well I just wanted to take the time to thank both of you Nick and the god of podcasting himself People Mr. Loy Sauce the Loy Sauce uh, for coming on for this EFG classic. If you like what you're hearing on the show, go check us out on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. You can also leave us a rating on the Spotify app and, uh, you know, join our official fan group on Facebook. If you're liking that, like us on Epic Film Guys, social media, at Epic Film Guys, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're all over the place. But if you're listening to this, you already fucking know that and you already follow us, hopefully. But if not, check us out. And uh, we hope you listen to future episodes. But until next time, I'm Justin. That's a lot of cum. (laughs) (laughs) Is that my cue? I am the Loy Sauce. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you at the movies. He said that he sucked the blood from the penis and put the (laughs) ball (laughs) in. I'm vengeance. (laughs) 